You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you're listening to another episode of Leadership Powered by Common Sense. We're the show that tries to help you as a leader or business owner uh, break down common problems of the day into small bite-sized chunks that maybe can help you do more. And today, with it being a bit of a new year uh, mindset we've all got, I've got a guest who's going to help us talk about habit building in a positive way. And I think we're going to get to the idea that it's not as challenging as you might think it is. Uh, at least I hope that's where we go. Uh, so uh, let me introduce my guest, Miss uh, Leslie Logan. Leslie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Doug. I'm so excited. Yes, habit building can actually be very simple. And I love that it's your common sense approach in the title because uh, we're going to bring a common sense approach to this a whole topic. Awesome. Well, looking forward to it. So it is a bit of a tradition here on this show. I like to ask my guests to give us a little bit of backstory and color commentary so uh, people can relate to where you're coming from and what you're doing now. So tell us your backstory. Yeah. So um, I live in Las Vegas now. I'm an online Pilates instructor and habits building coach. Actually, I got became a habits coach because I was trying to figure out how to get people to do the thing they signed up for doing. Uh, I was like, why do people sign up for things and then not use them, right? But how we got to here is that I um, I am the oldest and pretty much raised like get the straight A's, get out of town, like very much um, achiever mindset, which led me to really a frustrating college life <laughs> and adult life because perfectionism is actually an awful way to do things. You get nothing done um, and all enough mentality really does hurt us. And so what 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 got me to all these different things is just being my, curio my curiosity and someone suggested a Pilates class, which I honestly, I went thinking I would, was just going to lose weight as me a workout. But what ended up happening was that I discovered in each class more and more about myself. Cause it's one of those workouts where you have to think about what you're doing. You can't think about all the things on your to-do list. And the more I connect with myself, the more I realized that life is about being in practice and about being in curiosity and and being in process and not being in perfection. And so um, I became a teacher. And then, you know, my husband was like, you should have a platform. <laughs> um, and I mean, I was traveling the world teaching Pilates, so he wasn't incorrect. People would use it. Um, but then in 2020, uh, with time on my hands, I was like, well, how come, how come I'll do the things I say I'll do, but other people don't? Like what's going on there. And um, I wanted to learn more about that. So that's how I became a habits and mindset coach and figuring that out. Um, and that's what brings us here today. Well, what what were some of the revelations you uncovered about the, the human psyche and the ability to create healthy habits, which uh, I don't know, I, I may, I don't want to interject too much, but what comes to mind is often what is a preferred or more productive habit has to replace a bad habit. <laughs> yeah. So here's, I'm going to give, okay, this is really enlightening. So I study with BJ Fogg, everyone, um, full permission. If this topic interests you, he's got a book called Tiny Habits and um, he was a professor at Stanford on behavior science. And what he says is there's actually so no such thing as a bad habit. There are habits we might not like about ourselves. There are things that we do habitually that we might feel bad about or shame about or wish we didn't do, but they serve a purpose for us. They are actually causing dopamine in our brain to 
go off. And that is kind of why we do habits. Dopamine is this incredible, not the only hormone that matters, but it's, it's really what helps us do anything. It also helps us avoid procrastination. So if you're lacking dopamine, um, it's actually quite difficult to do things, even if you want to do them. But, um, healthy habits or habits that we wish we were doing. Um, the reason why they're a little harder for us to build is that we actually we actually bring a lot of judgment to ourselves when we don't do things we wish we were doing. And that right there, y'all, if you are judging yourself, judgment cannot live in the same place as positivity, gratitude, any of those things. So when you're judging yourself, your brain is actually uh, feeling pain. And when you're, your brain is really amazing at protecting you, if it feels pain around something, it avoids that thing. If you, um, you, like, you don't even have to think about not making a right-hand turn to avoid traffic because your brain knows that frustrates me over there. I don't go over there. Or when you ate something that made you feel bad, you just don't eat. Like your brain doesn't go, oh, let's go have that again. Like it doesn't become a thought. And so what happens is we actually cause ourselves to avoid the thing we want to do by shaming and judging ourselves. So we actually have to be really kind to ourselves. And the key there, the key about the dopamine is finding a way to get that dopamine kick around the thing we want to do, which means we actually have to do, do the thing or think about the thing and then make ourselves celebrate, which is hard. If you're a perfectionist listening to this, you are like, why would I celebrate just thinking about the thing I want to do? I didn't do the thing. And the reason is, is because if you want to do the thing, you got to celebrate that you thought about doing the thing. <laughs> So it, it it's kind of training your brain to think of it correctly, think of the thing correctly. You're absolutely right, Doug. So the actual reality is we can actually create a habit in a in a in a day. So uh, a story that he uses is um, a parent wakes up in the middle of the night to see if the school was canceled. They check their email for and the school is not canceled, so they have relief, <laughs> and that relief increases puts dopamine in their brain. And then what happens is the next day, next morning they wake up in the middle of the night, they check their email because they're looking for that feeling of relief. And uh, another uh, way to point this out is like dopamine's really really key is. Think about things you didn't want to do. So we've all, you know, we're years out of, of 2020, but during 2020, we all had to wear masks for a period of time going in public places. And then some places lifted those mask policies. And then a week later, they're back on, right? Well, for me, I can tell you right now, I forgot my mask. I would walk halfway through the parking lot. Oh, my mask is in the car and I have to go back. Why? I did it every day for three months. How come it wasn't a habit? It's because I didn't want to be a habit because I had shame or judgment or frustration. Like, oh, I don't want to wear this. Like I'm wearing this because we have to. So um, the more things you, more things you actually want to be in your life as a lifestyle, if there's these resolutions or these goals for this year that you're wanting to have for yourself, you have to be kind to yourself and celebrate whatever you do around that task. Um, and then the really, really key thing, and this is gonna be hard for the overachievers and perfectionists listening, is you actually need to make it smaller. And this is where common sense comes in. Of course we do, we have to. Like if you wanna, like, oh, I wanna run every day. Well, you need to be specific how far, but then also if you don't run now, it can't be a mile or 10 miles. It has to be maybe around the block. Or for some people, it might be making the habit of putting their running shoes on. And so the smallest way, the, the smaller you can make it so that it's easy to do and then celebrate that you did it, those are the keys to making a habit stick and making any goal or resolution you have for this year actually come to fruition and not be something like, oh, I didn't do it again this year. <laughs> again, shame around it, which means you won't do it. Yeah. 
I agree with you, and and because we're talking kind of New Year resolution and all that, uh, you know, most of the time, I don't know, I've I've read a lot of different studies that some are trying to be funny about New Year's resolutions, others are trying to be pretty serious, but the bottom line is uh, a huge percentage of resolutions people make never happen. And one of my observations, and I deal with this with my clients a lot, Sometimes the high performers, overachievers, they pick these big, hairy, audacious goals and they say, that's on my list. I've got to do that this year. And then it's so big, you don't even know where to start. And kind of, you know, the old joke, how to eat an elephant. And I don't know why people started that. Who would want to eat an (laughs) elephant? But, you know, the punchline is one bite at a time. And you, if you've got this really big goal, a really big objective in this case, changing some really material habit. Uh, You know, I think about things like going to the gym and weight loss and all of those Mm -hmm. things that are often personal goals people underachieve or never achieve because it just seems too daunting. It's daunting and they, they make it too hard. So for example, you mentioned going to the gym. I used to work in a gym and oh my God, parking lot on January 2nd, so annoying because it was full of people. But then by January 20th, it was like empty again. And here's why. A lot of people make going to the gym too difficult. They think, oh, I have to have the protein shake. I have to have the bit, the bag packed. I have to, oh, I'm going to have to have a shower. I'm going to bring a towel. They make it so hard. What if you just got in the car and just went? And maybe you only did 10 minutes and that's okay. Like we need to make things simpler. So I love, I mean, there's tons of stuff about like making really big goals that make you want to make moves happen. But if you make, if you over to do it, you overtask the item, you, it just becomes frustrating and exhausting and you, and you feel overwhelmed. And that's why no one's to-do list will ever get done (laughs) because they write down every single thing and there's no joy in it. right? Right. So one, we have to understand that motivation is, is not something you can rely on, nor is willpower. Those things are really good for if the start of doing something is quite big, we do need a motivation to kind of get us over that hump. Um, but you can't rely on them. That's why habits are really helpful. So every single goal, and I'll be really honest, like I'm not a resolution setter. My husband and I set intentions for the year. We have like, here's what we want to make sure we do more of this year. And then we actually like take the calendar go, well, when are we going to do more of that? Like, what does that look like? Because if you don't, then it just, the year goes by. But whatever it is that you're wanting out of this year, I want you to think about what that actually will do for you. I want you to get some emotional excitement around that thing. It can't just be like, I want to make more money. Why do you want to make more money? What is that going to allow you to do? You want to lose weight. Why do you want to lose weight? What is that? What is the thing around that going to do that's bigger than you? That's not about just like how you look. Is it because you actually want to climb a mountain with your children? Is it because you want to go on a cruise with your family? Like, what is it? Because you've got to get something emotional around that. That's less about like how hard it's going to be on you and the things you have to give up. And then you have to make it easier. We all have to make it easier. The one bite at a time is maybe we can make it easier. You're going to get a fork, (laughs) you know, like for some of us that might be it, especially if you've been, if you've had many, many years of not succeeding at this goal. And so I, I, I hear uh, one of the things you can do if there's a goal that you have is, or a feeling you want to have, or an intention you want to make happen is write down everything you can do around that thing. For example, maybe you want to get more sleep. 
okay, what are, write down as many ideas on how you can get more sleep. Okay, you could go to bed earlier. You could uh, sleep in later. You could turn uh, all the screens off two hours before. You um, you could put the dogs in a crate if instead of them sleeping with you, you could take sleeping aids. Like there's all these different things. You write them all down. And then what you do is you take that list of things and you actually go on a scale of, of like one to 10, list them out in what appeals the most to you. So like, yes, okay, the sleeping aid, I don't really want to do that. Okay, then that's at bottom. Like we're not going to go there to the very, none of these other things work, right? Um, dogs in the crate. Oh, I really like my dog sleeping with me. Uh, maybe I'll put that at a four. Or you put them all in a list and then you see, okay, the number one or two things. Okay, now how easy are those to do? Is it easy for you to turn your screens off two hours before? Well, maybe it's hard because your partner goes to bed later or maybe your kid, like, so how do we make it easy for you to not have screens? So maybe it's, we start with 15 minutes before and then 30 minutes before, or maybe you, we have to find different ways. And then you actually create the habit around that. So it's not like I'm going to get more sleep. And then three days into the new year, you've failed at that. So you're like, well, not good at that. No, we're going to have to make an experiment around that and make it easy first. And then you can go down that list because if it's easy and you want to do it, you're more likely to do it. If it's hard and you don't want to do it, I promise you, <laughs> you know, you're not going to do it. Yeah. You know, I, I had another guest on my show a few months ago and uh, he was talking a little bit about this. And one of the things that he recommended is coupling and uh, to give an example, uh, and, and I actually applied his principle in my own life, uh, I had a desire to take certain vitamins and supplements every day, but I had them in my kitchen pantry and, you know, I'd be getting ready for work and I, I'd get busy and next thing I know it's noon or afternoon and it's like, oh man, I hadn't taken my supplements yet. Well, using his coupling thing, he asked me the question, he said, how do you how how faithfully do you brush your teeth and i said well i'm one of those guys two or three four times a day you know he said why don't you put the supplements with your toothbrush mm -hmm. and when you brush your teeth take your supplements you know and i went oh that's brilliant <laughs> that well and that's so that goes to environment and a lot of times um we have we list out the, our day and we want to do different things and those things are not around the things we're already doing. And so um, setting an alarm is actually not a great way to create a habit. Um, having a, a notification go off on your phone reminding you to do something, it works if you are in the environment where you can do it. So if your phone were to go, hey, take your vitamins and you were next to your vitamins, it would work. But if you were getting ready for work in, in the bathroom, that's not, you're too far away. It sounds silly, but it's true. The way we, as humans are, we want to do things that are easy. And so one thing you can do is think about, everyone could do this. What are the things you do every morning? Well, you, you turn off your alarm or you put your feet on the floor. <laughs> like everyone gets out of bed the same way. We all have certain things we automatically, without writing it down, we do. We go to the bathroom, we brush our teeth, we make coffee, all these things, right? Then do the same thing for the middle of the day and same thing for evening. Anytime there's meals, there's often like habitual habits that happen without an alarm. Right. And so when you do this, you can actually do the exact same thing you did, which is coupling or some people call it habit stacking. It's like, okay, these are the things I wish were a habit in my life. Where do they seem to be the most easy to add on? So for example, maybe you're like, oh, I want to work out when I come home. Well, when you come home, what are the things that you automatically do? Do you 
water your plants? Do you put a, your briefcase in a certain place? Do you um, go to the fridge and grab some? What are some eight things you do? How can we put working out next to the things that you're already doing? If your gym is in the garage, is it possible that we could actually change at work? So you actually just, as soon as you park the car, you're already dressed for the gym and you can go, you're in the garage. Like it's so easy. So trying to find those things and make the things easier around what you're already doing. So you don't have to have a prompt that's a bell or an vacation because you're going to ignore those. And once you ignore them, then you actually um, don't create the habit. Yeah. <clears throat> well, let's, um, let's turn the page a little bit. I want to go back to you, you mentioned perfectionism and boy, that's a hot topic in uh, many, many of the high achievers I work with the, the notion of, uh, you know, wanting to be perfect about whatever they do. And inevitably the pattern is it just doesn't get done. Why? Because you can think of reasons it won't be perfect. Therefore, you don't do, you don't, you don't even begin. So uh, share with us a little more about your experience trying to figure out how to overcome that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, perfectionism like, is really difficult. And, um, I got caught this year because I thought I was like, I'm recovering. I, I will never say I'm recovered because that feels like a perfectionist thing to say. I'm a recovering perfectionist. I'm doing really good. I'm taking messy action, doing the thing. And, uh, but I was looking for a lot of certainty this year and certainty is actually perfectionism in disguise. So y'all, nothing is certain, especially on those of you listening to this podcast. If you're leaders, if you're in business, like you already know this, you already know that you can't predict what's about to happen in the year. You can do everything right. You can know the numbers. You can, everyone, everyone can work and do everything on time. And you're still not going to create exactly the same result because there's a lot of things that are out of your control. So one of the things to do is a make things small. Just make them small and then celebrate when you do things imperfectly. So if you make a mistake in a meeting or saying something up, go, oh my God, I'm, <laughs> I'm hilarious. Like make it funny and make it fun or try to pat yourself on the back going, oh my God, I'm such a human being. Like really try to make it less of a big deal because mistakes are actually really great feedback for us. And I know everyone listening to this knows this. Like if you were to actually tell someone on your team, hey, it's okay that it wasn't perfect. You would, like you would actually do that. You are holding yourself to perfectionism, but not necessarily other people. You're actually really kind to other people. So try to treat yourself like you would others, but make the thing small, make the trying to be imperfect around something easy, like cooking eggs. Don't put it around something that's really difficult. If you're really struggling to be imperfect at work and just try to do the new thing, do it around something that feels less dangerous, <laughs> less important and start practicing there. So um, when I spilled something on the kitchen floor, like I don't go, I'm just an idiot. Like I don't get hard on myself. Go, why can't I? Do I just go, all right, well, that's the mess we needed to make today. And like really try to take that pressure off. It will, how you do those, how you do those things at home are going to affect how you're doing things at work. And it's really going to help you. But my goodness, also, if you can reflect back now on all the times that something went imperfectly and now that it's your, your miles away from it, it's in hindsight, how that actually set you up for success. Cause I can tell everyone right now, the things that embarrass me as a perfectionist the most are literally the best things that ever happened to me in this world. And have set me up to talking to you today. You know, 10 years ago, I was homeless and without a car because I made a bad left turn and the studio I rented space from was closed. And I was so, as a perfectionist, I was so embarrassed. Who, like, why would anyone hire me? I don't even have a house, right? I don't have a car. Um, 
the place that I worked for clothes, like who is going to hire me? You guys, the decisions that came from that moment are how I met my husband, how I met the people that helped me with ideas to make this house that I'm living in a, a reality, like all of that. And so I bet you, if you look back at the imperfect things in your life, you'll probably realize that there's a boat biggest gems. And then that can help you celebrate when you're imperfect and wanting to seek out more imperfection. Yeah. <clears throat> well, congratulations on that shift and that journey. Uh, wow. Yeah. You know, when I'm thinking about a number of my clients over the years who have shown up and we begin talking about the perfectionism, you know, one of the popular phrases to try to get people started thinking this direction is that perfect is the enemy of good. Mm -hmm. And it's particularly true in business, but I think it's even more important in life because there's a lot of life choices, life opportunities that are are wonderful experiences and if you put them on a scale they they may not be perfect but they're good and maybe even great mm -hmm. are they perfect well sometimes you got to ask yourself what is really perfect you know it's that's a great question because it's so contextual it yeah. really isn't the perfect is in the, in the eye of the beholder oftentimes and the actual reality is is like no one perfect is really boring no one actually wants to be friends with perfect. So I say all the time to myself and other people, like when I look back at like my friends who had the houses that just looked perfect, right? Everything was like, they may as well be in a magazine. I'm like, are my socks clean enough to be on these floors? Like, am I, <laughs> like, am I able to be, I can't be, I'm not comfortable in this house. I can't relax. It's so perfect. Right. So, um, so that's like, I have these little sayings like perfect is boring. <laughs> Nobody wants to be friends with perfect, but I love that saying perfect is going a good, like, Oh, we have to be like there. Every single person listening to this has something that they're capable of and perfection is keeping it from being a reality. And that could be the thing that saves someone's life, or it could be the thing that helps them get out of a situation that they don't want to be in. Like we're actually um, being quite selfish when we're being perfect and keeping our ideas from happening just because it's not ready yet. Yeah. Well, it, it, it does manifest itself in, in the leadership realm because there are decisions that need to get made and actions that need to be started and followed through with. And if the leader themselves is a kind of perfectionist, it really stifles the whole team. You know, there's a, there's a holdback element there that just never comes out of the gate. And it, it really can be frustrating for others. So um, if if you are someone listening to this that feels like you struggle with perfectionism, you don't think about what we're saying here, maybe hit the rewind button and uh, play this back a little bit a couple of times to, to think about it. I, I, I do want to move on to you've got a, a, a piece there you, you mentioned celebrating wins. Mm. Tell, tell us a little more about that. Yeah. So rewards are not the same as celebration, like rewarding yourself. Like, oh, if I do X, Y, and Z at the end of the week, I'm going to go buy the pair of pants or I'm going to go to the spa. I'm going to do this. That's too far away from the actual task. And so they're great. I love, I love rewarding myself. Go reward yourself all you want, but it has to, the celebration has to be right after the actual task is done or right after you've completed or thought about, remember thinking about wanting to do something um, is also um, part of habit building. It's about creating that dopamine I mentioned at the very beginning. So there are 
hundreds of ways you can celebrate and there's all different ones. If you have kids, it's actually really easy because it's so fun to celebrate with them. You can like, you can high five with it. Hey, high five. I did, I I did five pushups, high five. Like you can, and that also creates great habits and instills amazingness in them. Um, but maybe you turn on your favorite song or the song you play, or maybe you, um, you say out loud, I'm amazing. Maybe you high five yourself. Um, there's different ways you can do it. Uh, in tiny habits, BJ had said, um, and I mentioned that because I want you to be able to, who listen to this, if this really interests you, like you can actually go get his hundred celebrations list, but I'll say like, find a room, set a timer for five minutes. And every time you put something away, use the celebration thing to test out different ways of celebrating because maybe jumping up and down works for you. I'm a words of affirmation kind of love language. So if I just say I'm amazing out loud, uh, it helps me. And it's a little hilarious around this house because we'll have people who are working for us or my husband. I walk around going, I'm amazing. Like, just like, I'm just shouting out loud. It sounds like I'm giving my own, myself my own pep talk, but it it really helps me create that dopamine little kick inside the brain because that's how habits are made. That's why you all click onto social media, you guys, because you get a little dopamine kick every time you see um, uh, a notification or like I like to check my email because Stripe emails are in there and I get a little dopamine kick every time I see that Stripe email. So um, so you want to find your own ways of celebrating and they can be very small, but it needs to be in the moment, something you can do. Um, this one uh, person got really frustrated because ever having to talk to somebody on the phone because they would always make her feel bad, make her feel angry. And so every time they um, got on the phone and they had to deal with each other, this person would immediately drive to a nail salon or buy movie tickets, just like instantly would like do something that was like treating herself um, so that she could have that celebration in the moment. Even if like the movie tickets later that day, she'd buy them right then so that she could have that celebration because it's like, it made her not want to avoid this person anymore because they had to talk to each other, but it didn't have to make her day go bad. And so we can find different ways to create dopamine kicks. And that's from those little celebrations. I think the other thing I'll add to that, again, speaking in terms of those of you out there who lead teams or, or own companies, you've got to think about this celebrating wins as necessary because it's easy, especially if you're on the end of the scale that's kind of high achiever, high driver, um, you tend to look at work or projects or tasks around you as sure we should have done that. Okay. Now it's complete. What's next. And if it, if it, if the task or the job or the project got completed, figure out a little celebration and, and let the team know anybody that was involved in accomplishing it, you know, let them have their moment of celebration likewise, because if you just keep driving and driving and driving and driving and checking all the boxes day by day, that is the the pathway to burnout. Yeah, real oh. quick. You know, real it made quick. me think of um, in our company we use Slack to communicate um, a lot, and we have a wins channel. Like it's a, just a channel that's for wins, and we are constantly posting like, hey, so-and-so did this today. They caught this thing. Like we celebrate like, you know, how so-and-so caught that the plugin wasn't working. And like we celebrate that a mistake happened, but someone caught it. So then it's not a bad thing. Like it becomes this thing. And and um, in my communities, we actually have FYF, which is FYF Friday. And if you don't celebrate during the week, then you at least need to celebrate on Friday because it's so important to create a habit of looking for opportunities that things went well. 
And we don't have to wait for a project to be completed to start celebrating the wins of the project. And it keeps people right. excited. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Most all projects have tasks that are mm -hmm. involved in step-by-step pathway to, to success of that project. So yeah, celebrating each one of those. And, you know, if, if you need to chunk it into milestones or something like that, that's fine. But the point being, don't avoid the celebration. Yeah. I just don't want to pass by. Like, right. I, I love that you brought that up because I think it's so easy. It's so easy in our work to just like go on the next, but these people who work for you, they're human beings and they, they don't, you know, they don't need big dinners all the time. I mean, you should take them out, but like, you can also just be acknowledging and like high-fiving them. And, you know, if you have to find different ways that your team likes to celebrate what makes them feel seen, but it's, it, it, if you create an environment where people keep are winning a lot and not just because they had a sale or like a project was in air quotes successful, but just that they were like, they did the, they were able to do the thing in the timely manner. They did the thing um, in a unique way, or they, you know, they, they found out something that could have caused the whole project to tumble. It's important to acknowledge that because people will then want to keep working for you and they'll want to actually make things even better than what you'd planned. It's funny, you've, if, if I may, you, you've said high five several times and it, it reminds me, I had a guest on my show a couple of months ago that uh, actually owns a plumbing company in Denver and it's called High Five Plumbing. And one of the things they do, it um, when the, and it's all residential service, they don't do any commercial construction or anything like that. But they'll go to the homeowner, they'll do the job, and then as they're cleaning up, wrapping up, they'll say to the homeowner, are, are you happy with the work we did here today and the way we did it? And if the homeowner says, yeah, yeah, y'all are cool, you're good. Then the, the plumber will ask, well, would you mind shooting a picture with me? Can I get a selfie of us doing a high five out in the front yard? And, and they do that, you know, and what uh, this owner said, his name's Levi, he said, it's amazing and his data can show for the customers that did the high five with their plumber, if there is a callback need, the tone of the callback is totally different. And usually the callbacks go something like this. Hey, um, George came out to fix my toilet and I know he worked really hard. He'd really tried, but they're still leaking. And I don't know, you know, what we need to do, but could y'all, would y'all mind coming back instead of you guys are idiots. You know, you didn't get it right. It's still leaking. You know, what's wrong with you? And do I need to call somebody else? Blah, blah, blah. You know, the whole tone and tenor is much different if that customer in the first place agreed to that high five. <laughs> I, okay. I love this so much because also it makes me go like, as I'm picturing it, like my own dopamine's when I it goes, it makes me not be afraid to call a plumber. Like it makes me go, Oh, I'm just gonna call high five because like, like you had such a good, like, like again, we can create a habit in a moment, like having that high five moment and taking a picture and celebrating it, taking a picture, celebrating something that no one wants to call a plumber. Nothing about that experience is fun. You're unclear and you're unsure how expensive it's going to be. But then once you have that moment, it does make you just probably not avoid calling the plumber more often. <laughs> what well, a genius and, thing. I love and, that. And, and a, a deeper, to your point about, you know, when somebody thinks about their classic plumber, it, it's not necessarily a nice picture in your mind, but uh, 
part of his success as a company, he does six hours of training every week for everybody. And two of those six hours have to do with customer service. Everybody in the company that's in a truck gets this training. And part of the training is, you know, it, it starts on when you pull up to the property, you're instructed on where to park if the driveway or the curb or the, the front way is a certain way. I mean, everything's a little different, but there's specific places to park so that you don't obstruct anything, you don't interrupt anything, you don't hurt any plants, you know, all just really basic stuff, but it's so important. And then they're trained on uniforms. And now I say uniform, they've got these t-shirts they use that are logo branded and everything, and they look like baseball jerseys. But um, his plumbers are encouraged to keep a couple in the truck. And if you get one really messed up on a morning job, guess what? Stop at lunch and change shirts. You know, yeah. put on a clean shirt for your afternoon calls. And so your plumber shows up relatively, you know, clean and, and put together. And then they're taught how to conduct the job that way. Don't make a mess in somebody's house. Don't track junk through the floor or on the carpet. You know, all of those things go into it. Yeah. So getting a customer to agree that it was a good experience is often not that much of a stretch. Right. Because it was it was a good experience. It was a good experience. Yeah. It was a good experience. Oh, I love that. I like, it makes me want to go, what, how can we do that with our, you know, I just think it's so fun. My, um, we go on tour, we'll bet we're going on tour. Um, when we're recording this, we're going on tour for about a month and, um, my husband will take group pictures. We always take at the end. Cause of course that's when people have had the experience and they want to smile. There's a big difference between the group picture. If you take it before the experience and your picture after, and of course, the experience has to be fun, <laughs> you know, and has to be easy. And, and it's, it can be really frustrating if you're listening to this, like all the different parts, you're like, I have to tell my team to do these emails and we have to all, you're thinking through all the stuff that makes the experience so great. But at the end of the day, if it is, it's so easy to get people to have an enjoyable experience. And guess what? That's where dopamine comes in. So it creates habits with them engaging with your company. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want. And then also your team sees that enjoyment that makes them want to do it again, because there's something contagious about someone having a good experience that you're like, yeah, I want to, I want to recreate that. Yeah. Well, Leslie, we're about up on time here for today. Thank you so much. I feel like we could go on and on about this because it's know. so, so important, but uh, tell folks how they can best get a hold of you if they're interested in uh, touching base and learning more. Yeah. So um, uh, you can go to onlinepliesclasses.com. You'll be able to see how you can um, work out with us, which we create better, great habits. But also um, I do do experiential trainings where I teach groups of people for companies, um, Pilates, so they can do it in their desk because again, fitness creates what? Dopamine. Do happy people <laughs> will do things at their jobs. So you can reach out to my team there. Um, and at Instagram, if you're on social media, it's at Leslie.Logan, L-E-S-L-E-Y. L-O-G-A-N. Thank you so much for having me, Doug. This is such a great conversation. Hey, I, again, yes, totally. I really appreciate it. And folks, as always, we're going to have those links in the show notes. So just click down below here and you'll uh, find those links and hop right over if you want to talk with Leslie. I, I do like to remind people, if you're listening on your favorite streaming service, we've got a video version of this episode and uh, you, you got to check this one out. Leslie's got a beautiful smile and a high energy just in her face. You can tell it's all <laughs> going on. So um, hop over 
over there and check that out. But uh, with that, we're going to say goodbye and go out there. Make it a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.